right, well, do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's go ahead. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Alien Familiar RPG Podcast. I am Clayton. Now I'm Elliot. Before we get started, you can find show notes and more at alienfamiliar.com. You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash alienfamiliar. And if you would like to help us out with supporting the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash alienfamiliarmedia. So if you enjoy our content and would like to help us out with hosting costs, any help you would be able to give us would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, today, our topic for our topic, we are going to be talking about why exactly we play video or play video games, why we play tabletop role playing games, and we'll be expanding that not just our personal experience and our personal motivations, but we'll also kind of be delving into more existentially why tabletop role playing games are are a good medium for people to spend their free time. So, um, Elliot, this is your topic. You, you're the one who came up with this idea. Why is it that you play role-playing games? <laughs> I think as the, hopefully as this conversation goes on, we're going to, um, you know, it's going to peel, you know, peel away like an onion. I, I think there's many layers, uh, but I think the most obvious and, you know, good, good place to start the conversation is the is the clear escapist nature of it you you know your slip in video games i think also um has a vein of that as well but it's a completely i think there are a lot of different reasons why people tabletop rpg versus uh play a video game but the first most obvious thing for me is um you know you get the opportunity to live out uh and to almost mentally slip into the skin of a character that you know, I would imagine, at least for me, that I do, that I, I know that I don't have any opportunity to, to be like in real life. So the ability to uh, put on a heroic garb and wield some sort of weapon, I'm going to say sword, but in, you know, role-playing games are various. You know, some are gunslinging games, some are laser shooting, you know, sci-fi games, but inevitably it's a I think it's a way for me to jump into the role of a of a of an adventuring hero and and go save the day, which in our you know in our current world and and probably not in too many other past versions of the world even uh, do many people get the opportunity to 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 actually experience that. So it's kind of a that's to me what is the most obvious reason. What about you? Well, before we get into mine. I just want to say that um, I knew we were going to be talking about escapism and escapism is a huge pet peeve of mine for a quote reason why we game because at least whenever I was learning how to play role playing games and in my early 20s, escapism was a bad word. It was a it was a demeaning word. It was, oh, it's it's just escapism. It's very beta male, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it it's not escapism. It's a form of maintaining mental health. I I want to make very clear that that I I view this distinction as it's not just escapism. It's not just getting out of whatever situation I'm in in order to live some fantasy. This is something that I do to help maintain my mental health. This is something I do to help maintain a sense of control in my life. 
because especially whenever you're in your teens and or and 20s and even into your 30s there's not a whole lot of real control that you feel like you have in your life and being able to play this game and and have this sense of control in the bounds of the game either not just the character but also the fact that i i can have the control of setting aside a certain amount of time during the week or during the month or whenever to play this is something that i can consistently get into and participate in and and practice my mental health in in de-stressing from the world around me that that's that's one of the main reasons why I currently play the game is for the mental health aspect that that it that it brings me. I have I have shared with my face to face groups a number of times over the years. I have been I have had to deal with some really heavy shit in my life. Everybody does. Everybody deals with heavy shit. That's just part of life. But being able to to separate from the things that are just pressing down on you and making your life miserable, being able to get with a group of friends, being able to get together and laugh and have a good time to, to stretch or to, to flex creative muscles that, that you probably don't have a way of, 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 um, of exercising in other ways just being able to get around a group of people and just shoot the shit, have fun for four hours at a time. Mental health is the reason why I continue to play the game. That that's that's the number one reason why I continue to play role playing games. Whew. I love it. I loved every second of that. That's great. And it, I was worried going into the topic we would have a, a difficult time like keeping the steam up for this, but I really I'm looking forward to this. I, I completely agree with you. I love that you said that because maybe escapism i think is an aspect of it i guess but i maybe framing it differently as an outlet i think that's kind of you correctly you correctly uh guided it in that kind of a of an idea and i completely agree because when i think of escapism too and other ways that i've noticed my peers uh escape i would consider television you know, an escape that a lot of people, you know, you, everybody gets around the water cooler at the workplace. And one of the things that I've, you know, anymore is a very common thing that people talk about is like, what are you binging? What, what's your binge show? And, 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 you know, I certainly do plenty of just, you know, zombieing out on social media, say, or zombieing out watching six or seven episodes of, of TV or something like that. But one thing I, I do think that I, I don't do it to the extent I feel that I get the impression a lot of my peers do because what I love about role-playing games, which has guided me even into other sort of outlets, is that as a very young age, um, it's creative. It's active. You know, uh, to me, almost like when I say, when we say escapism, to me, that almost implies a bit of like turning it off, turning your brain off, being able to go into kind of like an idle mode and becoming a consumer of someone else's creative output so that you can kind of turn yourself, turn yourself off. But role-playing games as an outlet is completely different than that. It's, it's, 
be it on either side of the table, the DM or the player, it is a creative act. It can at times be exhausting, you know, uh, to as a project. But that's what's great about it is if I feel like I'm getting that escape from the stresses and um, whatever vicissitudes of life, um, but I'm doing it in a way that's constructive, that's creative, that you know, I mean, I, I know I go back and rewatch, say, The Office from time to time, but, you know, there's a difference when I go through my old role-playing books and I see old character sheets and things. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I created something with my outlet. And I feel like it's such a constructive way to spend your, your free time. And it's it's very therapeutic. Absol- absolutely. You know, I had another thought about it. Let's talk about the community of it. That's that's another aspect to it that makes it different than other ways that I've noticed other people uh, escape. Um, another way that it's different from your typical escapism and more of an outlet is that it's it draws you around a table, even if it's a virtual table. It's it's collaborative. It's a way of of having uh, having social relations. Um, you know, I, I talked to Jordan, even though he wasn't able to participate in his podcast, uh, I gave him a call and we talked about this topic as a way for me to kind of get in the headspace for it. And I, I mean, you know, when we were talking about it, he mentioned that something that's true for me, I'm sure you too, is that it's, you know, role-playing games are the origin story for pretty much all of my lifelong friendships. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time. Th- I can really only think of one or two people that I would say that I'm close with as friends. That that friendship didn't start around a role playing game. Um, yeah, uh, and, and and it's if for no other reason. That's why it's one of the greatest things that got kind of came to my life was because I, it, it's it. You can really. I found that it's very conducive to not just making friends but making really strong friendships that last the ages you know what i mean yeah like um i have not made any new friends after high school and college i have not made any new friends who i didn't make explicitly because i started gaming with them even high school and college those friends who i was closest to we kind of we got into the hobby. We we got into the hobby together, or I um I casually knew them and invited them to the game, and we became good friends that way. But after college, my way of of meeting new people was limited to work and role playing games, and work isn't a great way of meeting people who share lifelong interests. Oh man, that's a separate podcast and a separate uh, diatribe I can totally go on. You know, I, I've i met people who have made uh, good friendships in the workplace, but maybe it's just my personality or or just my in my experience, you know, those friendships typically end when those work relationships end. But I, I definitely feel like the average person as an adult anyway, really relies on work as a as a weird, pale version of friendship, but it certainly isn't where I find it. Um, I, golly, the, uh, as far as, so why do you think that is? Why do you think, what, what's your opinion on why 
sitting around a role a role playing table? Is it just because it usually is an adolescent thing? Um, uh, do you think it's because just in like, I know I started playing when I was a kid. You started playing your when you were a kid. I don't know too many people who started playing in adulthood, and you know it's just when you're young, I think you're prone to making those bonds. Do you think that's where that starts? Is just when you're a kid, you make your lifelong friends and whatever, be it football or. Uh, any other activity that's just how it happens or do you think there's something unique about role-playing games that uh, that that lend to to making like lasting bonds with other people well um my through my personal experience like high school like before high school um i i met some friends and like you do whenever you're a kid you meet them because you share a class with them um, I lived in a pretty rural area, so my only source of socialization was through class, uh, was through school. I lived, um, the closest person within two years of my age, besides my, uh, besides my family, um, lived two miles away. Um, that, that guy was a year older than me. And, uh, to be perfectly honest, that guy was an asshole. He was a bully. And so I hated spending time with him. Um, but I, I met people through school. That was my sole way of meeting people who were my peers. When I got into, um, high school and I got old enough to, uh, share interests like video games and comic books and stuff, things like that. I met some people and, uh, and hung out with them, but I, and I, I'm I'll also, I watched a lot of movies with uh, certain friends, but it was really role-playing games that got me to sit around with them and basically explore who I was, um, taking on the different roles of different characters and experimenting with ideologies, with like whenever you're a teenager and and also early 20s you really are experimenting with finding out who you are who what your voice is what your what your outlook on life is and role playing games give you that opportunity to try those out in a pretty much um consequence free um like consequence free i mean in the real world not having a real world consequence of like going out and doing things um and I shared those experiences with other people, and that is what caused those friendships to get stronger is because we were discovering who we are, were together. And after after college, when I when role playing games became my only way of getting to of meeting new people, like every, literally everybody on this who has been on this podcast since the beginning of the podcast, are friends that I either met the first time I met them was because I had um, met them to at a game shop to play a role-playing game with them. Or in your instance, Elliot, I met you because of a friend I met through that, through Jordan. I, I met you at, a, at one of Jordan's party and parties and you were a role-player too. Yeah, we're a tribe. I think I, I I don't know if if um, it's just that maybe role playing games like anything other interests attract uh, personality types 
or I, I, I say that and, and immediately like my mind rebels against that. I think there's something transformative about coming to the table. I, I, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I really don't have any way of saying that, but uh, for sure. But I just, I have met a very diverse group of people around the role playing table, uh, at least, at least with my personal journey. Um, role-playing games was something that was born out of a community that already existed. You know, I, I had a game shop that I just was lucky enough that I didn't live in a particularly urban area, but I lived in kind of a suburbia at, at, at when I was in my, you know, teenage, adolescent years. And there happened to be a pretty close gaming shop that had, and, you know, it wasn't, at the time, it was mainly about Magic the Gathering and card games, which I feel attract a wide you know, surprisingly enough, a pretty wide net of people play that, I, and card games in general. There were people who were very popular in their school lives that didn't go to my school. There were people who, you know, in you know, when they left the game shop, they might go to the football field and you know walk in those circles. And then you'd have people who were just your goth kind of social outcast people. And so, I mean, I played around very diverse groups of individuals when we played role-playing games but the fact that the books were there there were people playing you know you just eventually get interested and so but once you sit down and you play it and if it if it catches you I mean, there are plenty of people I know who maybe I played with them a couple times it wasn't their cup of tea and they walked off but once it sinks your its teeth into you um like you said it it and, and sometimes it's overt and talked about, and sometimes it's always never, it's always kind of like, you know, subconscious maybe, or never spoken, but you learn a lot about a person um, whenever they create a character from scratch and then try to inhabit that fictional character and give it life. And whenever you, and, and it's very, it's kind of vulnerable, right? I mean, maybe that's the word that's popping into my mind is that, you know, for instance, a, a black and white example, uh, I knew a guy, he was older than us. There was a lot of adults and a lot of adolescents that mingled in this game shop, but um, a common player that I haven't seen in years, but if I saw him on the street tomorrow, we would immediately be chatty and hanging out. And um, he was just your mild-mannered, super nice guy. He was very religious. And he... Uh, very mild-mannered, extremely polite, not a violent guy whatsoever. When you put him at the role-playing table, though, you always knew he was going to bring the biggest sword, he was going to wear the biggest armor, he was going to be a devout paladin of some god, and he was going to go a-killing for his beliefs. You know what I mean? He played it every time. He found a way to make that character in any game, any setting, and that's just what brought him to the table. And you know, that very inward, um, polite human in reality, definitely he got something out of letting a very righteous, unforgiving, inflexible, you know, part of his personality have a voice, and he did it through role-playing games. And, you know, at the time it was kind of a joke, you know, we always know what he was going to play, but, I mean, looking back on it now, you know, I got a, you know, everybody at the table had a very clear glimpse into his soul. Um, and in a way that just your average friendships, your other, other communities, other kinship groups don't really, I think, give you that same window or it's really difficult to find that window into somebody's personality. And 
that whereas role playing games just immediately just open the door to anybody who's at the table and it's and you leave that table, you know, having kind of shared something with another person in, in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, um you really learn how people think whenever you're playing role playing games. Like you like me myself, I have I have developed my way of thinking like uh problem solving like i i have developed those through role playing games and having watched so many other people role play sometimes multiple um like sometimes dozens of different characters you start to see through lines for those characters and you start to see like like you said you you do see a little bit into the person's soul you see core pieces of their character that is the same no matter what persona they're putting on there are certain parts of that person that always shine through and you can you can learn really who you can depend on if if this if things got bad who you could depend on and without without like a a role-playing game it's kind of hit or miss. You kind of got to get into a bad situation before you really find out who your friends are. But through role-playing games, you kind of, you have that excuse of having been through quote, bad situations in character to to learn those things about other people before the shit hits the fan. Here's something I have uh, jotted down that I, I wanted to t- touch on. We talked a little bit off pod about, uh the satanic panic and not, I don't want to get into that specifically, but I think that you and I both touched on the fact that when we got into tabletop role-playing games and gaming in general, but especially, I mean, if my parents didn't understand magic, the gathering, when I got into it, they had absolutely no clue. I think they kind of gave up on really understanding where my mental was as a young boy. When I started asking for role-playing games and they started watching me, you know, create these little characters on paper and, you know, carry, you know, it's funny. I was the guy in high school that, you know, prided himself on his C average, but, but that was in part because, you know, if you looked at me as a student, it looked like I was the best student in the room because I had a binder. It was color coded. It was, you know, co- you know, every page was covered in plastic sheets I would take notes and then go home and top those notes up. And it had nothing to do with my class because it was always my role-playing game. And, you know, it would look like I would be doing great work except if my t- until my teacher looked over my shoulder and realized I was doing absolutely nothing related to their class whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, so that being said, uh, the point I was trying to make was rebellion. I feel like there is a bit of the culture, at least maybe because it's become more mainstream and nerd culture is so accepted in this generation. But in the 90s, when I started role-playing, it definitely was, there was a bit of like, uh, what's the word? It was almost risque. It was almost like, I'm not sure you should be doing that. It was very like attractive in that way because I felt like I was doing something that was subculture. It was my own kind of almost way to rebel against my middle-class you know, uh, working class, sports oriented church, you know, facing, you know, family life. And, and whenever I took an interest in role playing games, especially that to me was so far away from my family's kind of 
experience, I've noticed they really, they didn't stop me, and but they certainly didn't, you know, feel like it was a worthy pursuit. And I don't, I can count on my, I can't even count on my fingers how many conversations I had with my folks who they would have serious sit downs with me about why am I in doing this and why am I spending all my time at that game shop and why do I keep getting C's, you know, you're, you know, and all these things, uh, and really kind of low key being concerned about me. Um, not really, but to me, that just drove me there more and made me love it even more because it was something that was just mine. And I had my own tribe that they didn't understand. And when I, I remember walking into that game shop on game day, it was like I was playing in the Super Bowl. I would be so hyped because I felt like 90% of my life I was, you know, living in the, the world that I was kind of out of step with. And then when I walked into that game shop, it was, I was home. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was a subculture that you were a part of. And that's what, I mean, especially whenever you're a teenager, that's what you want and need because like you teenagers by by definition feel apart from the world around them and to have something that you can go to and to be a part of um you you said you were using the word tribe i i wholeheartedly agree with that but you you realize that you're you're not alone you're a part of something bigger you're a part of a community and um you you go there and you have you share interests with other people and there are like nowadays with um the proliferation of like conventions and things like that there are so many opportunities now to go and see that you are a part of a much larger group and um and like social media the same way you can join um like groups on facebook or or uh or uh, like Reddit pages and or Reddit subs and things like that to to be a part of a larger community that like where we live in a rural in rural rural areas grew up in rural areas you don't have that opportunity to have people around you that have the same interests as you and to and being a part of something having all those other people who are who are into the same things is such a big part of feeling welcome part of feeling like you are you you have a place where you belong oh man i remember um oh man i remember we would travel to origins in um in the 90s in columbus and and it was the premier gaming con at that time in the midwest before uh, Gen Con moved to, I believe, Indianapolis, it kind of stole a bit of its thunder. But when I felt when we were going to Origins, it was like Mecca, like it was it was religious. The feeling that you would get, it's like that same feeling of here I am, I'm at home, walking into my game shop with ten or twenty people, uh, multiplied by forty thousand or however many people would be at Origins. You know, everybody there for that same it just the, the tribe got so big when it, it was so it was just very exciting i remember it being a big part of uh my childhood um this uh, something else i have boiled it down that i think this is a great segue into is just i mean we've talked a lot about just the kinship community aspects there's a lot of pro-social 
aspects to role playing in general, role playing games. Um, are any are there any specific details or any particular skills that you think that role playing games give you access to that maybe you can get in other ways in life, but just are particularly good at giving players an access to? Yeah, I would say cooperation and teamwork, not just in the game. I mean, like setting a schedule for we are going to meet up at this time, at this place, and we are going to be doing things together. We are going to be getting together and we are going to be problem solving. We're going to be tackling issues and working together to come to solutions. Um, I really wish I could put role-playing games on my resume and point those out. Um, I, I am, I've been very tempted like, to put on my resume that I am a GM and point out, hey, for 20 years now, I have been able to get basically herd cats and get people to come together regularly to meet and problem solve. I never, I never, I have a lot of thoughts on this particular point, and I would never have mentioned that one in particular. That is, that is a, such an understated uh, aspect to role playing games because, I mean, the least responsible people are adolescent males, I think, especially middle class adolescent males. And yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, setting those schedules, man, and it was a big deal. You know, I mean, if you wanted to be a part of the community, I mean, it didn't, I mean, it's your, it's your brother's birthday. It's your mom's birthday. It's, you know, there's a, there's a school dance on game night. No, no, I got to be at the shop at five o'clock. You know, let's hurry this up. You know what I mean? I'd be on the phone, you know, if my mom and dad would be like, oh, we got this or that going on today. We can't take, you're not, you know, we're not driving you there. I mean, I was on the phone networking, getting my, but to the shop because I knew that, you know, if I, if I didn't show up at the table, you know, there's only so many times you can do that and continue to get that seat guaranteed. Right. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, I was never, when I could drive, I was never on time to school. There was no other part of my life that I made the effort to get to, but as an adult, you know, that's just a skill set that I feel like has been helpful to me. Um, seems so silly, but like just, you know, getting to work on time. Um, living up to your professional commitments and doing the work and being prepared, you know, DMing especially, but even playing, you know, uh, teach those, you know, they kind of embed those skills in you or else you're not going to be able to be a part of the hobby for sure. You know, another, I mean, another pro-social aspect I think is understated that I've, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I've got some professional uh, examples as well, is just empathy, I think that uh, by putting on another person's persona, even if you make them up, you have to think about things in a very meta way that most day, I I can't think of too many other common activities really force you to do that. You have to think about this character because, I mean, your character shouldn't just be you, right? That's a part of it. It's just not a carbon copy of yourself with a sword. It's, you have to really think like, you know, oh shoot, I've got a really low charisma for this character. How is that going to interact uh, how is that going to come out? How am I going to play that? I mean, the whole point of role-playing games, if you're, in my opinion, if you're doing it right, is that you're trying to imagine yourself in another person's perspective, in another person's way of being. And you do that 
over and over and over again over the course of years, I have found in my own life that I'm just, I just feel like empathy is my superpower. Uh, I feel like my ability to see where other people are coming from is just this secret little skill that I have that when I function in my professional and personal life is is not as common as I just took for granted when I was younger, you know, and it's been a real help to me. What, what do you think? So it, I, I agree. Empathy is definitely something that you really do pick up for all the reasons that you said. And you, I have been in games as a player in DM where another player has been trying out some things in their in their life that they were not comfortable with expressing to the greater world. Specifically, I have been in games where people have tried out different orientations like sexual orientations or um, trying out whether or not they actually are a non-binary person. And one for that person it's a great outlet for 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 expression for for finding out if that is who you are but also as somebody who is there at the table playing off of that you are learning you are learning how your your treatment of a person like that how that can impact them how that can how you can be a force of good or a force of evil in their life. And that is something that I have seen. And I am grateful to role-playing games for having put me in that situation in a much, uh, in a, in a situation that doesn't have the pressure of real life and being able to try out how, what is the best way of, of interacting in that situation how what is the more empathetic way of of supporting us somebody as they are doing this or if i'm if i'm a shitty person toward them how does that actually make them feel yeah i mean golly this is a walk down memory lane but you know the pro-social aspects i think like you're touching on in my experience was both on and off the table because we're in the same generation. We're about the same age. I started role-playing in a community of, of fellow misfits, you know, 14, 15 years old. And, I mean, to, to younger folks uh, who are blessed to live in not a perfectly permitting and open world, but a much more accepting uh, world to just non-traditional like you know you know the the lgbtq community um even even women you know uh, in general in the i can't express how difficult it was even in the 90s um for people like that and and, and there was definitely uh, multiple people at our table over the years and continue to be who um they definitely have the license to to have to let that part of their personality to be open and have uh, you know people who off the table who uh, I mean just in particular I don't want to go in nobody that's ever been on the podcast or anything like that but there were people you know I, I knew an adult who 
was married and had seemed to have a, a good relationship, but he was uh, definitely a part of that of that community. And and he had a hard time, you know. He, he walking, talking, looking like a normal dude, you know. He didn't, you know. I, and not to say that you know, you know, people, gay people or whatever, you know, can't just look like an average person. The, you know, the stereotypes aren't always true, but you know, definitely was a reserve. He had that part of his personality held in the back of his pocket. And when he would come to the table. He had the uh, cover and the permission, I guess maybe we call it a safe space today, to let that side of him come out. And I, I think that played a big part of his mental health at that time, you know. I know just from personally knowing him off the table, he had a, he stepped away from gaming as far as I know. And uh, his life, that person's, you know, mental didn't, you know, he had some tough times, you know, once he kind of separated from our group and maybe stopped the gaming and stuff like that. I feel like it was very helpful to him. And I think the troubles that he went through after the fact shows how helpful it was whenever that was no longer part of his life. You know, I, I wanted to touch on on this is a weird segue, but education and kids, because growing up as a role play uh, a gamer, um, I was kind of surprised when I became, I'm a school teacher and I work with kiddos who, uh, uh, who have, uh, disabilities, right. And a lot of them are emotional disabilities. And one of the things that come up most often when, you know, tasked with, um, teaching pro-social behaviors is not role-playing games, but those do exist now. And they are kind of an area that some people in education are actually dabbling in making educational role-playing games to use with kids to help develop things like uh, social skills, turn-taking, and um, and being polite and things like that. But that, the, the, just the concept of role-playing as a way to educate children in social things, and even in historical things, historical contexts, um, putting people in a different time and place. Role-playing is a, is a word. You know, it's a, con- it's a thing that comes up that's often suggested to work in you know, some some role-playing activities where kids can take on different personalities. I felt like I got the benefits of that just around the role-playing table. But, you know, what we're talking about, I think, is echoed in my professional life, too. There's something to it that uh, that is definitely uh, educational and, and pro-social, right? Yeah, I mean, you could say that role-playing games are just an extension of a kid playing pretend with rules around it and a structure around it to to allow a person to continue to um to like learn how to socially interact learn how to communicate um i've heard stories of like people with um high functioning autism and using role playing games to kind of experiment around and learn how to interact with people in a variety of situations because one of the one of the things with autism is there's a a lot of people with autism have have trouble understanding just social interaction that and a role playing game gives them multiple opportunities to try out and find what works because a lot of a lot of people with autism they have they 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 form basically 
conversational rules or interaction rules to help guide them through interactions with other people because it it's not something that comes naturally to them and so role-playing games give them that opportunity to be put into more situations and develop more rules on for them to help themselves guide to help guide themselves through interaction with other people wow uh so much to say for sure um yeah in my professional life autistic kiddos are definitely the ones that you hit in the literature that comes role-playing is definitely something aimed at that population but in, in my own personal life i don't care to share that my son is high functioning autistic he was diagnosed with autism at four years old and that is 100 percent um uh, been true in my personal experience that and it, it's not so much an overt thing i, I mean we're, he's not a pencil and paper gamer yet but um you know, just I think my background in role-playing games and the, the all the skills we've been talking about, you know, in my interactions with him, um, you know, it's constantly something that we're doing is is I'm urging him, I'm helping him, because he'll open up to me and talk about things where he just doesn't understand why people act the way they do. He doesn't relate to them because social deficits and being able to relate to other people um, not in a negative connotation whatsoever, but the only word that comes up in my mind, it's like narcissism. It's very difficult for him, at least, um, to put himself in some, you know, think about the other person in the room and to, you know, and that comes out in conversation, you know, constantly monologuing about personal interests. And it's been a big help to have those experiences in my past that I find that when we get into these situations where I'm trying to help push him in that direction to be more self-aware of the people around him i'm constantly relying on the lessons i learned on role-playing games and how i frame my conversations with him um yeah uh, so i mean that's both true in my personal and professional life yeah and other skills that uh, particularly whenever you're a teenager that you are like teenager is the time is the time when the parts of the brain are developing for things like critical thinking deep problem solving, um, more advanced socialization, communication, um, personal expression. These are all things that role-playing games, that are a part of role-playing games at the core of of what, what you are doing whenever you're getting around the table and playing. And for teenagers, that's that's why this that's why this game seems to resonate so well for people in their teens and early 20s is because that is literally the time of their lives when these parts of the brain are developing and coming online and this these games give them an opportunity to use these these abilities like these literal abilities that they are just now gaining oh man um this is a uh, segueing perfectly into the last thing I have bulleted and, you know, trigger, you know, trigger warnings, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything controversial about some of these things I'm about to say, but it's definitely something from my own personal perspective. I want to give some time to, because I've thought about it a lot as a, as a, you know, what it was it appealed to me. And, uh, you know, I, I, in, in, you know, my day-to-day life, you know, everybody's day to day, we are a community. Everybody more than ever works most people in these days in the information economy, I guess they'd call it, you know, 
collaboration is, and cooperation is, is super important. But on the other side of that, you know, when I was a kid, before role-playing games, um, when I was young, I was raised in a rural area, and then we moved into the suburbs when I was about 10. And when I was little, little, I would watch movies on TV, and constantly rotating was a lot of the monomyths that in the 80s and before always revolved around some young, usually white dude who faced a challenge and through personal ability and exceptionalism was able to go out and a conquer, usually with a sword, but sometimes with a laser sword, but always go out and defeat some great evil. And I know that you know, whenever I came, I've noticed in my experience, this is why I wish that I knew where we had more access to a lot of female gamers because we've, I've played with a lot of female gamers um, and I would love that perspective. But for me personally, I always find myself, I feel like subconsciously, if not overtly, a lot of my role-playing games give it, uh, give permission for a more um, just unapologetic what I would call masculinity to come out in me, in my in my in my in my play and in my characters, and by that I mean I'm a very I'm a people person. I'm very cooperative. I'm good in those settings. But you know, things that are not good in those settings are like being brash, being assertive, being violent if the necess- if if the situation calls for it. Not to be a peacemaker, but to be confrontational. And that's what a hero often does. They have to go out and they have to confront. And oftentimes they use violence to accomplish those aims. And I, I can't help but notice that in, in role-playing games, at least, that just seems to be a seed that it kind of grew out of. That that's very much what it's geared to give access to and encourages you, at least uh, the original books especially. And... Uh, do you feel the same way, and do you think that role-playing games in general are trying to be less focused on that aspect of it to give it more wide appeal, or do you think that's, am I completely off base, or is, is there something to it? So, anecdotally, I can say that every um, feminine person who I have introduced to role-playing games either their first character or their second character is that aggressive, brash, um, wanting to do violence to other people type of character. This is my personal experience having having taught role-playing games to a few women over the years. And it's not just this masculine thing. It is this it is this primal drive that I see in people that they want to have this outlet for an for an aggression. And I feel like particularly for like in our culture, women are raised to not be aggressive, not be loud, not be all of these things that we attribute to masculine. Giving them the opportunity to do this in a role-playing game they take it and they fucking run with it. Yeah, the word itself is, is maybe the most, uh, oh, what's the word? The most, uh, maybe bias is the one that's coming to my mind, but using the word masculine definitely does 
exactly what you're saying. It cuts off. It implies that there's no appeal to those things that I attribute to masculinity for, for females. And that's just clearly not true in all my experiences as well with female players is that I think all of us have um, in us a desire to be aggressive and to be self-righteous and self-confident in a way that the world, especially these days, is very discouraging of, or it doesn't necessarily prioritize that as a way to get success for average people. But um, And I could see why those ladies who pursue uh, gaming and make it a big part of their life that that I know, that's been true as well in my experience. Uh, It's kind of, maybe it's misogynistic to even you know, bracket all these things, those things I mentioned as masculine in general. It's That's just maybe a part of the human condition that both male and female don't have as many outlets for, and that's why role-playing games appeal to them. Good point. Yeah, aggression is not a masculine or feminine quality. It is a, it is a primal part of being a, a living being. It's part of fight or flight. And Fight isn't something that a lot of people have experience with or have opportunities to engage in in their day-to-day lives. And just having having a role-playing game give somebody the, the opportunity to do it in a place where it is not only a potential positive, but it is actively encouraged to be that way. Um, I feel like that's another great thing about role-playing games. It's so therapeutic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Clayton, we've hit all my bullet points. You do you have anything highlighted or underscored we haven't touched on? Um, I have one last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll go on to geek things. As my last point of uh, great things about role playing games is that, um, particularly whenever you're playing a tabletop role playing game and you're doing it in person, the benefit is that it gets your face out of a fucking screen. <laughs> so true. All right, let's go on Wait, to Can I touch things. on one last thing? I'll make it super brief. I'm not good at that, but I will. Sure, go right ahead. This is a rant against current education. By God, it teaches you how to add. You had mentioned it off camera and I, or off screen or whatever, and I bulleted it and I didn't talk about it. Is that, you know, I am amazed at how my basic addition and subtraction is superior to everyone. I'm not a math-minded person, mind you. Did not do well in algebra, did not do well in geometry. The higher levels of math just weren't my thing. But when it just comes to basic addition and subtraction, I can do it faster, more accurately. It's called automaticity. It's something that is not necessarily prioritized in current education with mathematics, but it's key. And man, uh, I'm amazed at how many adults just cannot add single and two-digit numbers. That's all I'm going to say. And D&D has definitely made me a whiz at basic addition subtraction. Here, here. Uh, do you want to start with geek things? Yeah, sure. I have a weird one, as maybe as usual, but, um, you know, it, we just passed 9-11. Not going to dwell on that specifically, but um, a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago, I read an article um, in The Atlantic by a lady named Jennifer Sr., and the title of her article is Grief and Conspiracy 20 Years After 9-11. And I don't know what attracted me to it because, 
we just now had the anniversary, but I read it and it's been getting, it's popped up in my social media feed a lot, people going back to it. And if you have a moment, or especially if you're someone who wasn't born in that time and you really want to feel the impact and the severity of that day, she knew uh, someone who was in the tragic, you know, who passed away in that tragic event. And what she did was that she revisited um, her fa- th- that person's family members and spent some time with them to f- just understand what their life has been like the last 20 years and how the absence of that child and brother and, uh, and husband uh, has had the impact it's had on all the people involved. And it, it really does a great job of reminding people of how intimately tragic and how the loss of a single individual, whether it be in a tragedy or in any loss, can be, is life-changing for, you know, it ripples throughout communities, the effects that even the loss of one person before their time um, can have. And, And you get to know this family. It's a great piece. Go read it. It's awesome. It's not a geek thing. It's a human thing. But I just, it was the most interesting thoughtful thing i've encountered recently and so that's that's my geek thing well um my geek thing um i although this has existed for a while i just learned about it a couple of uh weeks ago but there is a website called geoguessr and what this site does is it's a game and uh you you can play the game once per day for free you can pay more to play it more often but basically what it does is it uses google maps and it plops you down along a road that the um, that the Google vehicle has taken pictures of somewhere. Well, there's several different modes, but the mode I play is it drops you somewhere in the world. And just by using, um, like, you can move along the road, like, follow the path of the um, of the Google vehicle to like. Uh, go along the road and see what all you can see around you and try to pick up clues and you make a guess where in the world you are and um, you get scored based on how close to the real world location you are um, at the at the end of the rounds Um, I get a big kick out of it I've only played it on the world mode because I feel like uh, playing it in the US only would be a little too easy because there's always going to be clues um, of what state you're in and things like that but um, it's a great game I've had I've, I've played the game a few times and a couple of times this location has been in the US but sometimes it just drops you in the middle of the um, of the Israeli desert along a dirt road and you've got to figure out where in the hell you are that sounds awesome i think my son would get a kick out of that well all right elliot why do you say we stop this bullshit and start rolling some dice i'd love to this has been a production of alien familiar media you can find past episodes and more at alienfamiliar.com You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. This production is protected under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. Music for this episode is Suburban Outlaw by Forget the Whale and can be found at freemusicarchive.org.